This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right, very good. Well, I'm excited because we have started a Wednesday night series. We started it last week, and I like I like to do series. I like to kind of have a, a topic or a you know a, an area to go with for a while. And we've started on the topic of spiritual warfare, and we're in a series called Call of Duty: Spiritual Warfare. And that's not because I'm a gamer, because I am not a gamer. I I mean I'm way out of the loop. Me and Shaheem went to Walmart to buy video games the other day, and he was talking to these nerds, and I was like, I you're I don't know what you're saying right now. This makes no sense. But anyway, he was happy, so whatever. But we're talking about Call of Duty, spiritual warfare. And last week, what we tried to establish, if you were here, is this, is that there really is spiritual warfare. It's not just something that a bunch of loonies made up. The Bible talks about it. It talks about how the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty. And so the Bible in the New Testament specifically deals with this topic of spiritual warfare in many, many places. And we establish the fact that whether you believe in him or not, the devil is real. And, you know, whether you whether you acknowledge that fact or not, doesn't matter. He's still real and he's still your enemy. Right. And so a lot of people, they play stupid. They play like, well, if I pretend he's not there, maybe he won't be there. That's not how you deal with an enemy. And so last week we laid the groundwork for establishing that there really is an enemy and we really are at war, spiritually speaking. And so this week, what I'm going to tackle, because Wednesdays, you know, we don't have a ton of time here. I'm going to be courageous and try to tackle a lot in about 30 minutes. Okay. And so what we're talking about this week is some basic principles, almost like you're in boot camp here. Okay. You know, my brother, you know him, he went through the Marine Corps boot camp, pretty intense. I know a lot of you soldiers and different guys in here. You've been through some intense stuff. But what I found out after talking to him and many others is what they did in boot camp is basically just re-drilled the same things through their head over and over and over and over and over and over. And it's like, we did, we did this already. Do it some more. We, but, but we already, we already ran 20 miles. Okay. Run 25. They did the exact over and under. I mean, there a lot of other great stuff too. But what we don't realize is, is that when you show up and think like, well, I don't ever read my Bible. I don't ever pray. I don't really go to church until I feel like it. And then you think you're going to go out there into all out warfare with the devil and just absolutely, you know, be some courageous Rambo Navy SEAL warrior and you don't even read your Bible. Come on. That's stupid. That's not going to happen. You have no training at all. He'll eat your lunch. Now, am I afraid of the devil? Absolutely not. No Christian that actually reads their Bible, no Christian that actually has faith in the name of Jesus is afraid of the devil. But to those that think that, oh, well, you know, I, I think that I'm going to go out and just try this out today. Man, you have, you're going to get it handed to you. You don't realize that the people that you see are faith giants. The people that you see that are having God do miracles and wonderful things in their life, it's because they're submitted to God. They actually open up their Bible. They actually do the things that he says to do. And a lot of it seems so basic, but that's what I want to cover tonight is three very, very basic topics that I believe you're not going to ever get anywhere in spiritual warfare until you start getting a hold of these three things. 
Now, listen to me. They all have to do with obedience because that's a good soldier. He knows how to obey. Am I right? A good soldier. He doesn't even have to always understand why the commander is saying to do this. He just knows, Okay, the commander knows something I don't know. I better do it. And sometimes the word of God will ask you to do something. You're like, well, why is it saying to do that? Why does it say to bring the, you know, the 10 percent of my income? Well, maybe you don't understand it all. Just know the commander in chief said to do it. So you'd be best to do it. Why does it say to love your neighbor as yourself when you've got a really mean neighbor? I don't know. Just do it whether you understand it or not, because he knows something that you don't know. And he wants to teach you obedience, even in little areas. So the first thing we're going to say tonight is this. Number one, basic stuff. This is so basic. Number one, obey his word. Obey his word. Now, this seems so obvious, but there's nobody in this room, including myself, that has mastered this yet. I mean, sometimes I feel feel like a real idiot. I know you do, too. Sometimes I'm like, man, am I getting anywhere in this? I feel like, you know, I feel like I mess up all the time. But listen, we've got to get to the place where we are obeying the word of God. And I want to show you some thoughts tonight from probably one of definitely one of the greatest warriors of all time. And I'm talking about King David. Now, King David held the word of God in a very high regard. Let's turn to Psalm 119. This is the longest chapter in the Bible. And if you read the entire thing, depending on your reading level, it could take you a minute. But at the same time, either way, it's going to take you a little while to read all of Psalm 119. But you'll notice that the entire chapter is about David's love for the word of God. And he uses a lot of different. Sometimes he says your word. He'll say your laws, your decrees, your commands, your statutes. He uses all these different things. But the entire chapter, Psalm 119, is all about how obsessed David is with God's word. And I'm like, man, if David's onto this, then there must be something to this. And David, you know, he, sometimes we think, oh, yes, he, he was he was a great man. But David was he was a giant killing warrior. He was not a sissy. David had this his, this group of 37 men that were his own special forces unit. They called him David's mighty men. One guy, Josheb, killed 800 men single-handedly in one battle. 800. And he submitted to David. Would you call that guy a warrior? Yeah, that's a warrior right there. He had another guy, Eleazar, who he killed so... Eleazar was on the front lines leading a group against the Philistines. Everybody else chickened out and left Eleazar facing the entire enemy by himself. He killed so many Philistines that when it was all over, his hand was stuck to his sword. He couldn't get his hand off of it. His hand had molded to the shape of his sword, and yet he was still fighting and he won. That's what we call a warrior. Not somebody that's like... The devil said, boo, and they run off like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do right now? The devil said that he's going to come and steal my children from me. Oh, my gosh. You're not a warrior. okay? I don't know what you are, but you're not a warrior. There's another guy in David's mighty men. uh, uh, um, It's my nephew's middle, Abishai. Abishai killed 300 men with just a single spear. And so what I'm trying to say out of all this is this, is that David was not a sissy. David was a warrior, but listen to me, David got his strength from God's word. David obeyed. 
the word of God. And so you're sitting here like, that's a secret to spiritual warfare. That is a key fundamental element. Well, what if I've heard the verse a thousand times? You should probably go read it another 200 before the end of the day. You need to get it drilled into your head until it's second nature. So when the enemy comes with the financial crisis, whoa, God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It just shoots out. You don't have to sit there and think, that's in that. Where's the Bible? Where did I put it? I, I don't know. Oh, man, my phone's dead, and that's the only way I ever read my Bible. I, what am I going to do? You're not ready for combat, man. And the enemy attacked. You've got to get it. David said, I've hidden your word in my heart. And when God's word is hidden in your heart, it comes out of your mouth because Jesus said, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if the word of God is in your heart, the enemy's going to come in some way, but the word's going to instantly come out. That's why you do the same thing over and over and over. Anybody, listen to me, anybody that's great at anything, how did they get there? Maybe God blessed them with some talent, but I'm telling you, I promise you, the best basketball players in the world, the best football players, the best, the best whatever, accountant, baker, whatever it is, they got there because they did the exact same thing over and over and over. And, and everyone else is like, you've shot 500 free throws today. Yep, here goes 501. They just keep, and everyone else is like, why are you doing this? Because when you do the fundamentals so many times, it becomes second nature. And then in the heat of battle, you don't choke. But a lot of people, they choke when the battle comes. They choke. They they pass out, man. They fold under the pressure because they didn't want to do the same. They didn't want to do the fundamentals. They wanted to go out and shoot the grenade launcher before they knew how to tie their combat boots. John R. Wooden, the greatest coach of any sport of all time, in my personal humble opinion. He also happens to be from my hometown, Martinsville, Indiana. But uh, he won. He took UCLA to nine basketball championships. He won nine straight years in a row, I believe. I mean, that's pretty good. He coached Kareem. He coached Bill Walt. He coached all these great players, and he won nine championships. That's incredible. But anyway, he's, he, I read one of his books, and he was talking about, he said, everybody that comes in, they think that we instantly, you know, we're going to start working on dunks, and, and we're going to start working on all, you know. He said, no, my entire first practice is spent on teaching these guys how to properly put on their socks and tie their shoes. He's like, because you put your socks on wrong, you're going to hurt your feet. You can't tie your shoes right. You're going to twist your ankle. The entire first practice that he did every year was on how to properly put on socks and lace tennis shoes. And like, that sounds so basic. Well, it obviously worked because they won nine in a row and nobody else has done that. And so I'm telling you, listen to me. You've got to get the basics down. And so let's let's hear how David, the mighty warrior, let's hear some of his thoughts on God's word. I'm going to throw a bunch of verses at you right here. Try to keep up. Psalm 119, verse 25, David said, I lie in the dust, revive me by your word. So he didn't say, I lie in the dust, quick, get me some meds, quick, fast, no, please, get the medic. He said, no, bring me my Bible. Revive me by your word. Verse 28 Psalm 19. These are all Psalm 119. He said, I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word. Here's some of us. I weep with sorrow. Give me a gallon of ice cream and a TV show now. Hey, I'm pointing. But he said, no, encourage me by your word. I'm feeling down. Give me my Bible fast. Wouldn't that be great if that's what all of us said? Man, I'm having a rough day. Give me my Bible now. Get it quick. But I hear so many people, man, I could go sure use a cold one. 
Now, I'm ready to go fight the devil on Sunday, though. No, you're not. No, you're not. He's going to he's going to he's going to pick you like a booger and flick you against the sixth grade elementary school wall. You are nothing if that's your attitude. Verse 61. Evil people try to drag me into sin, but I am firmly anchored to your instructions. There it is. Instructions word. He's like, and, and I see people all the time. Man, you don't know the struggle out there. There's evil. Yeah, David knew about it. And he said that they're going to try, but they're not going to be able to do it because I am anchored to the word of God. Verse 72. Your instructions are more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. Wow. We found somebody that actually finds the word of God to be more valuable than money. I wish I could find people like that in 2018 where I could say, I, I, you know, hey, they offered me like triple time. I, I couldn't I couldn't read my pray that day. Come on. It's triple time, bro. I, I know, man, my kids should have been in church that day, but 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 they quadruple. I don't care if they 10 times my paycheck. I'm going to be in the house of the Lord. Because. When leukemia comes like it did to me, money didn't fix it, folks. They, if my, what if my parents had a wad of Benjamins right there and just laid it on me? Oh, put all this money on him. Yes, yes, yes. Be healed. I'd have been dead at three. <laughs> what if when your marriage got hit, and we prove that, people prove this all the time, does money fix a broken marriage? No. Usually it makes it worse. Because people do stupid things. But come on. David said, and he, here's someone that knew David was rich. He said, your instructions, your word, that, that's more valuable to me than all the money. I wish we had people like that in 2018. Is there anybody here tonight that would say, I'd rather have my Bible than, than all the money that I have? Okay. Anywho. All right. Verses 97 through 98. Yeah, who's getting excited about the Word of God, man? Go home and hug my Bible tonight. Verse 97. Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. Really? I mean, I know, I know men. Men, our, our minds wander. Men think about all kinds of stupid things. Football, cars, whatever. But David said, listen to me. I think about the Bible. I think about the Word. That's all I can think about all day long. And we sit here and wonder, how was David so successful? I don't get it. I mean, he, you know, how was he so successful? The word of God was everything to him. It was meant more to him than his money. It meant more to him than his entertainment. It meant more to him than anything else. And he said, I, I think about it all day long. I sit and I sit there and I think about the word of God. When you find somebody like that, and they do exist, when you find somebody like that, where the word of God is what controls them, those are the people that I need around me. I'm looking for people like that because I know in the heat of battle, they will know exactly what to do every time. It's second. They've been thinking about it all day long. They, they've been pondering it. They've been meditating it all day long. Verse 98, your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. Who thinks they could use wisdom in their life? Come on. I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about knowledge. I'm talking about wisdom. There's a difference. There's a lot of smart people that are not wise. Wisdom is not being smart. Wisdom is knowing what to do with your life. According to the word of God, a wise person makes right choices all the time. 
There's a lot of really intelligent people that are not wise. Now, some of you are getting that. I can tell some of you the lights are on. No one's home. So it's kind of flying over your head right now. I see it. You got that glazed over look. But listen to me. Just take my word for it. There's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is great. The more you know. I mean, that's good. You, you should know a lot. That's awesome. Find something and study it. It's, it's wonderful. But I would rather have wisdom Every day of the week, because I may be able to solve the biggest math equation in the world, but that, that, but I don't know how to, how to raise a family. I'm a loser. I may know how to go out and, and make a billion dollars on, you know, whatever it is I, I do, creating software, but I don't know how to, how to raise a child or, or how to, how to pray the prayer of faith or how to keep a marriage together. I'm a loser. I want wisdom. I'd like knowledge, but I really want to be a wise person. And David said, I'm, hey, I outsmart all my enemies. You make me wiser than my enemies because your commands are my constant guide. That's incredible. What if we lived our lives like that? Point number two is this. Number one, obey his word. Number two, obey his voice. This may seem like it's a little bit harder to do since we can't usually hear the voice of God with our physical ears. Maybe on a, on a very rare occasion you could. I've never heard the voice of God in my physical ears, but that's okay because I hear his voice speaking to my heart every day of my life. And what are some ways that God speaks to us if he doesn't just boom this voice out of the sky? Hey, go to the Del Taco on First Street today, not Mountain View. Take take my word. The frijoles were just made. Get over there now. Oh, man. Thank you, Jesus. But what if... No, no, no. That's not usually going to happen. But what if you knew how to hear... The voice of God and make wise decisions and fight, fight spiritual warfare. Well, here's some basic, there's many ways, but I'm going to give you just three very simple ways that you can know the voice of God. One way he's going to speak is through the word, through his word. So obviously you're never going to uh, hear his voice through his word if you never read his word or spend more than 20 seconds on it. Well, what's the verse of the day on my Bible app? There we go. There's the word time. Boom. Let's go. Let's do this. Oh, that, no, I mean, that's good. I love the verse of the day on my Bible app, and I like to make cute little graphics. That's cool. But listen to me. That is, that's not going to make you a spiritual warrior. A spiritual warrior is going to take time to learn how to use this weapon, the sword of the Spirit. Amen? And so, through the Bible, God's going to speak to you through His Word, no doubt about it. Through maybe your pastor. Come on. God's going to speak to you. Through your pastor, through through preaching. That's one way. It's not the only way. It's a way. Another way that God speaks to me is through other Christians. Through you guys. Right? How many times have you been like, man, I'm in this situation, and you're just down in the dumps, and then one of your fellow believers, one of your fellow church members, I mean, they just say something that was absolutely guided by the Holy Spirit, and it's exactly what you needed to hear. Come on. That's the voice of God. That that's those are that's some simple ways that God's going to speak to you. But the main way that the Lord is going to speak to us is through what we call the still small voice. It's not a made up phrase that's in the Bible. I'm getting ready to show you. But the main way, the primary way that God speaks to us is through the still small voice on the inside of our heart. And so I want you to look at 1 Kings chapter 19. Let's turn there, 1 Kings 19. I do realize that we are going fast tonight. I, I understand that. But I'm trying to cover a lot of ground in one little Wednesday night service here. So 1 Kings chapter 19. 
We're going to look at verses 11 through 13. This is a story of Elijah who was uh, expecting to hear something from the Lord. So 1 Kings 19, verse 11. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Now listen to all this, please. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. So you're told to go out to the mountain and listen to the Lord. And a mighty, ferocious wind comes through so ferocious that it's tearing rocks everywhere. that God wasn't in that wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was. When Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly the voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And then that's the Lord. And you can read the rest of the story later. But God talks to him from there. And so what, what, what are we seeing here? We're seeing what so many of us kind of go through. Elijah, he's expecting to hear from God. And all these spectacular things start happening. And we're like, oh, wow. I know, I mean, God's gonna do some, God's gonna do, speak to me in some spectacular, booming, firework way right here. But no, God wasn't in the wind. God wasn't in that windstorm that came through. And then an earthquake comes. No, God didn't speak out of the earthquake. And then a fire starts. I mean, how many times do you see a random fire start right there? But, but no, all these spectacular things happened, but none of those were the way that God was gonna talk to Elijah. Now, sometimes God could talk to you in a spectacular, booming way. That's the minority of time. That is not the majority of time. What usually happens is what happened to Elijah right here. All these things happen. And then there's peace, a still small voice on the inside. And I believe that the Holy Spirit leads us by peace. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And so whenever whenever God speaks to me, Listen, a lot of times we, the world would call it the voice of your conscience. You know what I mean? You're like, I just, I feel this is the way to go on this. Well, as a Christian, you don't have to guess, is that my conscience? Man, it's the Holy Spirit talking to you. He leads you by his peace. And so whenever I'm faced at a crossroads in life, well, do I go left? Do I go right? I pray about both ways. I say, Lord, do I go left? And if I feel really uneasy about that way, then I'm like, well, that, I don't think that's God. And I pray about going right. This doesn't make much sense. This doesn't, to my mind, this doesn't have as much money. This doesn't what actually what I wanted earlier. But I don't know. I just feel really good about it. I'm going to go with the peace. I'm going to go with the still small voice. I'm going to go that direction. Because God leads us by the still small voice on the inside. You have to learn to obey his voice. And I know, again, those of you in the military, you became very familiar with your drill instructor's voice, right? Probably got, I mean, Cletus, you probably got tired of it after a while, right? Hearing the same thing over and over, yelling. But listen, and God's not here yelling at you and smacking you around and stuff. I mean, but but still, his voice is speaking to us and we've got to get super familiar with it. I find it incredible. I've heard that how you could bring a mom into a room full of crying babies crying babies everywhere, and a mom blindfolded can go find her baby because she knows his cry, her cry. She knows his voice. Why? 
because they're, they're acquainted with it, man. You, you're used to it. You know the one you love. You know their voice, even though you can't see them. And that's how it should be with a Christian. You should be so familiar with the one that you say you love so much that you know his voice. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And sheep, they're, they're strange animals, but they have this going for them. They know the shepherd's voice. And I read how these people, they did a test with some sheep over in, I think it was Palestine. But anyway, so they brought, they, they took the shepherd out of the mix from the flock. They, they brought another guy in. They dressed him in the regular shepherd's clothes. They, they did all this stuff. They made him smell like him and everything. And he went out to the middle of the sheep and they wouldn't come to him. He was even calling him by name. You know, here's, here's Timmy the sheep. Come here, Timmy. And t- he wouldn't come. None of the sheep would come to him, but he looked exactly identical to the other guy. Well, why is it sheep? They don't follow the shepherd because they can see him or by sight. They go by his voice. And so the real shepherd was disguised like somebody else. But he was off on this side of the field and he started he started calling the sheep. They're like, oh, no, that that's his voice. We're going to follow the voice, even though it doesn't look like what we were expecting. And Jesus, he calls us sheep all the time. He said, my sheep know my voice. You've got to know the voice of the shepherd if you're going to be a good soldier. Amen. All right. I got a verse for us here in Proverbs chapter three, talking about knowing the voice of the commander. Proverbs chapter three. I'm going fast. Proverbs three, eleven through 12. Write it down if you can't get there. But it says, my child, don't reject the Lord's discipline. Don't be upset when he corrects you. I know a lot of people that, I mean, none of us like love discipline, but I know some people, they're a snowflake, man. They get disciplined. They have a meltdown. I'm never going back there. You kidding me? They told me what I'm doing is a sin. So you're going to melt down and just quit on, quit on the whole thing because, because somebody hurts your feelings. Wow, life must really sting for you because people hurt our feelings every day. And little sissies melt down and quit jobs and quit churches and quit relationships because somebody says something they don't like. But they're a spiritual warrior. They're, they're a prayer warrior. They're going to pray for... No, they're not. I'm sorry I'm so sarcastic on this topic, but I've just seen so many people that tell me they're a prayer warrior, but they're not. They don't read their Bible. They don't, And, and they quit and they cry. And listen to me. That's not a warrior. I'm not being mean. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. But don't tell me you're going to pray fire down from heaven when you're too embarrassed to pray for your lunch if your friends are sitting at the table. You're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. Verse 12, For the Lord corrects those He loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom He delights. Dads, do we correct our kids because we just really enjoy being mean and handing out punishment? That's not why I correct my kids. (laughs) It's not. I correct my kids because I love them and I do not want them to be idiots. It's as simple as that. That may not sound that deep, but it's the truth. I correct them because I do not want to send morons out of the Samples household into the world in a few years. That's my biggest fear. I don't want to send idiots into the world and especially idiots that don't serve God. Okay? And so, I will correct them. I, you know, hey, 
I believe in the Bible. The Bible says little swat on the butt is what you're supposed to do anyway. Without, you could talk about that all day long. Anyway, the Bible does say to spank your children when they disobey. And so that's what I do because I obey the scripture. Now, listen to me. I don't do that because I enjoy doing that. I do that because I don't want Sam running out into the street and getting hit by a car. We were working in the yard just yesterday and the day before. And anyway, you know, Sam was out there and he kept wandering towards the street. And I mean, after a few times, you say, listen, you can't do that. We had to get stern with him. Why? Because I would rather hurt his feelings now than a car mowing down. Right. Well, he got hit. But man, I didn't want to hurt his feelings. All right. Number three, we got to go. We have got to move on this. Well, let me say this, because this is one of my favorite quotes. So the Lord disciplines those he loves. But listen, there are two types of pain in life, discipline and regret. Discipline weighs ounces, but regret weighs tons. So discipline temporarily hurts, but has wonderful long term results. Regrets, you may feel good for the moment, but regrets, they last a lifetime. And they weigh a lot. They hurt. So I'd rather have the pain of discipline now than the pain of regret later and say, I wish I would have listened to God on that. Amen. Number three, obey your convictions. What? What? Okay, we're going to get this. Obey your convictions. We all have different personal convictions. Now, let me explain this. There are some things that the Bible clearly outlines you should not do. And so that's not up to whether you it convicts you or not. Well, well, I, I don't really get convicted when I hit other people. So I don't think I, I think I can still do it. No, the, the scripture says, you, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. I, no. If the Bible clearly calls it a sin, it doesn't matter what your conviction is. It's a sin either way. Right. But there's some things that the Bible just doesn't clearly say, you know, well, that's a sin. But to you and your heart, you feel convicted about it. And so to, for you to do it, it would be a sin because you're convicted. Heather, I'm going to skip down a few verses and then backtrack. I'm going to look at Romans chapter 14, verse 23. Romans 14, verse 23. So let me just give you some examples of a, a personal conviction. So my mom has this personal conviction. It's for her. It's not for everybody. She, the, she felt in her heart that the Lord did not ever want her to get her ears pierced. It's not a sin to get your ears pierced. It's fine. But for her, she felt like, you know, I just, I don't feel like I'm supposed to do that. And you're like, well, that sounds silly. Well, we'll deal with making fun of others' personal convictions in just a minute. But what I'm talking about is if, if for you, you feel like the Lord's saying, no, just, I don't want you to do that. Then for you, it would be a sin to go do that. Romans 14, verse 23. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. And I'll explain that in a minute. But here's the end of it. If you're not following your convictions, if you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. And so if to you, you believe that it's not right for you. Again, we're not talking about something that the Bible clearly says is wrong. Adultery is wrong. Whether you agree with that or not, it's a sin and that will send you to hell. Listen to me. That that's not right. There's no way around that. Well, I don't personally feel convicted. No, it doesn't matter if you feel guilty or not. That'll send you to hell. Listen to me. We're talking about something like like what I, I told about my mom. For her, that would be a sin. Kenneth Copeland. 
The Lord convicted him. The Lord said, you drink way too much coffee and you eat too much apple pie. Stop. Never again. Is it a sin to drink coffee? Thank God it's not. Thank God it's not a sin for everybody. But listen to me. If the Lord told you, I need you to quit drinking that stuff, you better quit. It's a sin for you now. So God, and this was in the 60s, and so here it is, like 50 years later, he hasn't drank a drop of coffee or ate a bite of apple pie in 50 years. Because God said, for you, you can't do it anymore. And so there's some things that everybody else, it may not be a sin for, you know, uh, for John there, but God told me not to do it. Even though it's not a sin, but God said, no, I don't want you to do that. So I'm not allowed to do it now. Does that make sense? That's a personal conviction. So I can't get up here and preach my personal convictions if it's a personal thing to me. To everybody's like, nobody's allowed to pierce their ears and God forbid the man that eats apple pie. This is America. We eat apple pie. Oh, we eat our, we eat apple pie. It's America. But at the same time, if God said don't, then you can't do it. All right. And so what I'm saying is, when the Lord deals with your heart about something, you need to listen if you're going to be a good soldier. But God, it's not fair. Desiree's allowed to do it. Well, that's Desiree. I'm talking to you right now. You're not allowed to. But everybody else is allowed to go do that. Well, that's fine. And you know, a lot of us guys, we get together, we play in a fantasy football league. It's a lot of fun. There's no sin in that at all. I, it's fun. In fact, some of my insiders are here tonight. Cletus? Anyway, anyway inside scoop. But... At the same time, if God said, I don't want you to play this year, I need you to focus on something else, I, I better listen. And it may sound like, well, that's a pretty trivial little thing. Well, if, if the commander said, no, it's not for me this year, then it's not for me this year. And I shouldn't have to give any other explanation than that. And sometimes someone will say, God's kind of telling me not to. You're just saying that. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Either way, what business is it of yours? If God said they aren't allowed to go do that, then, hey, that's between them and God. So there are personal convictions. Let's back up here to Romans 14, verse 1. And a lot of it has to do with food in the New Testament here. Romans 14, verse 1. Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. If God told them it's, you know, that they, it's wrong for them, then hey, it's wrong for them. Verse 2. For instance, one person believes it's alright to eat anything. Like some of my brothers. Uh, but another believer, another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. And so the guy that's a vegetarian, he can't make fun of the guy that's eating some carne asada. You know what I'm saying? Right. But the guy that's over here mounting down on a steak, he can't make fun of the vegetarian because that's between him and God. So don't make fun of me and my burger and I'll leave you and your frozen broccoli pops alone, okay? That's, let's just work out an understanding here. But listen to me. If that's your conviction, far be it from me to say, you know, something about it. That's fine. If God told you to not eat meat, then don't eat it. Don't do it. God personally told me to eat as much bacon as I can before I die. No, I'm kidding. He did. He did not do that. But don't judge other people's personal convictions. And what I'm trying to say for you is you need to learn to obey them because that's the voice of the Lord speaking to you. And it may sound silly, like that's not that big of a deal. It's a big deal. When you ignored the commander in chief and he gave you a direct order 
And then you, you think that you're prepared for combat and you can't even obey a simple basic thing that he told you to do? That's not a good soldier. Even if he said, no, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to do that. I know everybody else is doing it, but I'm telling you, why would God even do that? Well, I believe that sometimes he's giving us an opportunity to prove our obedience to him. Sometimes God's given you, okay, you say you love me, but will you even give up this? You won't even give up video games and you're telling me that, you know, you love me and I'm your Lord. You won't even, no, if you won't even give that up. Now I know you failed the test and you know, God's not mean and God's not, but I'm just, I'm telling you, God will give you opportunities to prove your obedience and devotion to him. And one way he does it is through personal convictions and he will give you an opportunity. He'll speak something to your heart that may not make any sense to anybody else. But God says, listen, for you, it's a sin. So for you, you shouldn't do it now. And if you can't even obey him in that, he he knows where you stand. He loves you. You love him. He's not saying you're going to hell over it. But he is saying, well, you're definitely not going to be some uh, special forces spiritual warrior. We know that much. You're a good guy. Love you. But if you can't even lay down the controller, you can't even fast TV for me. You can't even lay this down. And you want me to send you to the front lines? I love you, but we can't use you there. You know, go pick up a broom, sweep the bathrooms or whatever. whatever. There's a need for that, you know, in, the, in God's army. But what I'm saying is this. We've got to learn to obey, obey his word, obey his voice, obey our convictions. And the last verse is Romans 14, 12, verse 12. It says, yes, each of us will give a collective corporate account to God. No, it says each of us will give a personal account to God. That means I'm not answering for your life. Well, in some ways, well, yeah, God does say the pastors will answer for the sheep. But, okay, you're not responsible for your neighbor's life. Now, God's not going to get up there and say, Melinda, explain why Virginia did this. Ask her. I don't know. I wasn't even there. I didn't even know her back then. What are you talking about? That wouldn't be fair. But God can say, Melinda, I told you that I didn't want you doing that anymore. Why'd you, why, why wouldn't you just give, it was a little thing. Why wouldn't you just give that up for me? We're going to have to give an account for our personal lives. And so if God is speaking something to you personally, hey, it's up to you whether you're going to obey or not. I'm not saying it's going to keep you out of heaven. But you will give a personal account to God someday for your life. And if you want to be a combat soldier in God's army, if you want to be a person that when the devil comes roaring like a lion, you stand right up with no fear in your heart. You resist him and he flees. You'll learn to obey God, his word, his voice, personal convictions he gives you and anything else that he does in your life. Amen. And so this is just basic, basic stuff. We're scratching the surface. I plan to dive deep into this. One of these upcoming weeks, we're going to really study the armor of God and show you what all those different things mean because most people don't even know what they mean. And we're going to really get into this. It's going to be a really fun series. But we've got to learn to obey His voice before anything else. Amen? Let's go ahead and stand up together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 